We're going to read the Bible. We're looking at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. So uh, I'm going to read that now, and, uh, and, and then George will come up, and, uh, and he'll look at that. Well, I might have a brief chat to George beforehand. Uh, so this is Genesis chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 9. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Well, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Yeah. Well, thank you for being with us, George, and I'm going to hand over to you, and we look forward to, uh, to hearing from you. Well, before I pray, let me remind us as well that uh, when the Apostle Paul talks to young Timothy, he says these words, preach the word in and out of season. And for us, it's more like preach the word in and out of COVID. Um, Anyway, let me pray for us this morning. Uh, Father God, we do give thanks for this opportunity to meet together. We do pray as we look at this passage, you'll enable each of us to be able to see the truth of it and why it is that you came down and dispersed the languages uh, of people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, my brother, he works for a massive a multi-million dollar organisation that last financial year made trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, You look from the outside of this massive corporation and you kind of think it looks fantastic, but you dig a bit deeper, you'll actually find out that there are huge problems. There's backstabbing, there's undermining, there's lying, there's gossip. There's everything that happens in this organisation. And one day, the CEO said these words. He said there's going to be massive retrenches, retrenchments and people didn't know whether they were going to have a job the next day or not. And my brother tells me that he walked into work and uh, he said people opened their emails and he had never seen such wailing in his life, that people were, were sobbing and crying. And there are other people that were cheering And my brother was one of those that were cheering because of this, because all those that were weeping were those that wanted to be retrenched, never got retrenched, and those people that actually, uh, in the end, wanted it the opposite way, who got retrenched, were happy as anything. My brother was so happy to actually get out of that organisation. But it raises this question about unity and people being united. And I want to ask you to think about this at home, and it's this, is all unity good? Is it good? I want to say this, that in most cases, yes, but there are times when unity 
is not necessarily a good thing, which I'll unpackage in a moment. Have you, if you have ever been to a Ketuba Christian uh, convention event, can I say it is a great model of Christian unity because what it actually does in regards to Christian unity, it does this. It actually brings people from different experiences, different churches, different denominations together under the banner and they have uh, at the front of the, the, the auditorium all one in Christ Jesus, I think quoting from uh, the book of Romans, and it's actually quite extraordinary. Here I am uh, as an Anglican, I'm coming here to a Baptist church telling you this morning about the Word of God, and I think that is an absolutely great thing to be able to do, to be able to meet together and do those sorts of things. If you've ever gone on a mission trip, gone on a beach mission, you have experienced Christian unity. I mean, Jesus himself said these extraordinary words. He said, if you love one another as I have loved you, people will know that you are my disciples. I mean, it says an awful lot, doesn't it? I mean, in some ways, this is the benchmark of unity by what Jesus says about us reflecting the person of Jesus. You know, we live in a world where people use unity for evil. You only got to think of World War II, Hitler and his henchmen. They were bent on being united, but to do one thing, and that was to destroy the Jewish race and to conquer the world. It's a picture of, can I say, of unity, but the wrong and the false sort of unity that we can sometimes experience. You look at ISIS. They're a group, not all Muslims are like that, but they're a group that are bent on actually killing others for their cause. You've actually got to look at even other organisations like the KKK. Their unity, they hate black people, which is an abhorrent thing to do. You know, Jesus talks an awful lot about unity and about how Christians should be united. And so the Apostle Paul reminds us of these truths and as we look at this book about the story of the Tower of Babel, it will be shown to us as well about the importance of us being united in the person of Jesus. You know, when I take my dog uh, for a walk, most days we bump into another family that take their dog for a walk. And our dogs have become friends in some ways, as we have become friends with the couple. Anyway, John is an American. He is not a Christian but he is a well-read, intelligent man and loves talking about Christianity. And he was raised in America in an evangelical church, conservative Bible teaching sort of church and stuff like that. And one day we were talking about that and I was talking about my own experience coming from a Greek Orthodox background, finding Jesus and understanding the Christians. And I would call myself, you know, a, a conservative evangelical Christian um, Anyway, but what's fascinating is this, is one day we're going for the walk and John put this to me. He said, George, I know I was raised as a conservative Christian, uh, as a Bible-believing Christian, but he said, I have actually strayed from that because of one reason. He said, if the Christians that believe that they are conservative and that they're reformed in their thinking, why do they divide themselves so often? Why is it that they split and go this way or go that way? And I kind of stopped and I thought, you know, he raises a fair enough sort of point about the issue of unity 
within the church and unity amongst what it is that we believe. Now, I want you to have a look at this picture, this first picture. And if you look at this picture, it's a picture of a scuffle between soccer players. Now, the only problem is, if you look really closely at the picture, the scuffle is between players in the same team. And they're called, wait for this, Newcastle United. Like, it's actually quite unbelievable, isn't it? You can even see the opposition team from Aston Villa are separating the two players from Newcastle United. I mean, fascinating picture, isn't it? There's a picture where they should be unified, but they are not. But we're actually told this in verse 2, in the story of the tale in the Tower of Babel, and make sure you follow with me. In verse 2, we're told that people gathered by their thousands, by their tens of thousands, and the plain of Sinar. And they had one language, and they were united with one language themselves. But they had a very clear aim. And in verse 3, we're told this. Their aim was this. Come, let us build a tower that reaches the heavens. So their objective was this. Their objective was to get to God and to reach the heavens by human means. They, yourself, when you reflect on this, is, is that they couldn't, you know, it wasn't like that they spoke different languages. At this particular time, they spoke the one language, and that's what brought them together. And then in verse 3, we're told they say this. They say, let us build a tower and let us use let us use bricks instead of stone and let us use uh, tar instead of mortar. I mean, what's fascinating is, is that if you look at, at um, the pyramids that were built thousands of years ago, they have stood the test of time, but no evidence of the Tower of Babel. It's because one decided to do it on the cheap. Instead of using stone, they used other means. They used bricks and they used tar instead of mortar and so somehow or other they think well let's not use the best material let's use just whatever we can find to be able to build it i knew of uh, a friend of mine who tried to cut a corner when it came to building his house he built a house and he decided uh the rio this reinforced concrete that you put in the house they decided not to use that in every part of the building but sure enough the house started to show cracks. And in the end, the house had to actually be bulldozed. Because why? Because they actually build it on the cheap. That's what most Greeks like to do. They like to build things on the cheap. And I'm quite sure that was the case with the people back then. But you know what? There is nothing cheap about God sending his son Jesus into the world. He cost God a lot. As a matter of fact, he cost God everything. The cross was paid for us that we might be forgiven, that we can actually get to God. So there was nothing cheap. There was no corners that were cut when it came to God sending his only son into the world. I mean, somehow or other, you kind of think that building a, t a, a, a tower to be able to reach God, I mean, this is, can I use the word, this is utter, utter stupidity. Imagine thinking somehow or other you could build something really high to be able to actually get to God. I mean... The stupidity of it is, is that several years ago in um, New Zealand, uh, two, two men were caught uh, robbing uh, a bank 
and they were handcuffed together and they were placed in the back of a paddy wagon. And um, when the paddy wagon got to the police station, these men must have plotted this because what happened was quite incredible is, is that when the doors were open, they kicked the doors all the way open and they sprinted down the street away from the police. So the police weren't going to catch them. These men were flying. But remember, they still were handcuffed and they, the two of them ran either side of a telegraph pole, didn't they? And they clunked their heads together like a couple of coconuts. They were knocked out. I mean, that in itself is utter stupidity as well. And then in verse 4, we're actually told this, come let us make a name for ourselves. Not, it's not building a tower to make a name for God. These people were so self-centred that they stopped and they said to themselves, you know what, let's do this. We can do this without God. Uh, they want to be important. They want their name, not God's name, which I find utterly, utterly incredible. So let's do this. Let's do this building without God. It's almost a little bit of man-made religion, isn't it? Where Christianity, it's about you come into the relationship with the living God. You're somehow either not building something to be able to get to God. It's, it's a bit like when King David writes Psalm 23. He talks about, even though I walk through what? The valley of death. Even though I walk down this darkest part this darkest path, God walks with us. It's got nothing to do with height. It, it, it's got to do with everywhere we walk, we walk with the person of Jesus. And more importantly, he walks with us. Um, my uh, in-laws uh, several years ago had their 50th anniversary uh, at Setter Point Tower. It was quite an incredible uh, event. You know, it's a revolving restaurant. You can see the picture there. It is there. It revolves around. It is 300 metres high. Like, it's, it's actually quite incredible. We went to Dubai several years ago, and this is what we saw. We saw the Burj Khalifa. And have a guess how high it stands. It stands 860 metres high. Like, it's, it's almost three times the height of our own centre point tower. But people love the thought. As humans, we love to do this, with, even with the Olympics coming on. We love to be able to say we want things to be bigger. We want things to be higher. We want things to be faster. We want things to be stronger. And the whole Olympic movement is based around that. But the people of Babylon, or Babel, I should say, forgot one thing, and that was God. And God is not anti-progress at all. I mean, God has created us to be able to do things, to be able to develop things. But the sad reality is, is, is that people love to do it without their creator, God. They keep him out of the picture, totally and utterly. And God decides to do this. God decides, he, he decides to stop them in their tracks. And he decides to give them different languages that will go to the different parts of the world. And you know the word Babel comes from, and I dropped it as well a, a couple of minutes ago, comes from the word Babylon, which means God-centred uh, in terms of all that they do. You know, they were united, but they were united for the one reason, that is that they were united to do things in life without God. Have a look at this picture. It's called the Bridge to Life. Uh, you would have seen this uh, many years ago, and it talks about how we are on one side, God is on the other, 
we cannot get to him. And God creates this bridge that enables us to be one with God. But it's only as we cross to God's side will we be actually forgiven. And what's extraordinary is this, is, is that there is an event in the New Testament that talks about the event of Babel, and it's profound. It's in Acts chapter 2, and it's the day of Pentecost. And you would be aware about what happens on the people on the day of Pentecost. It was a Jewish festival, and they said that, that there was something like over a million people would gather in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, this Jewish festival that they would actually have every year. And what happens is, is that not that languages aren't, aren't dispersed this time, but languages are brought together. And so that meant all of a sudden people who actually could speak, let's say, Spanish, somebody was preaching the word to them in Spanish who didn't know Spanish. My own nationality, my own Greek nationality would have been there. And I would have heard the word of God declared and preached in my own mother tongue. And that's actually quite profound in terms of what God does. God brings people together. Instead of the Tower of Babel, the dispersion, this is the joining together of people under different languages, but hearing the message of the person of Jesus. And these people in turn would have taken that gospel message to their own people, to their own tongue, to tell them about the living God. Like, it's actually quite unbelievable. You know, people try all their lives for years and years and years to reach God, but they're never able to actually reach him. I heard about a man who said this, that he uh, went on this journey throughout Asia trying to find the meaning to life, and he came to the conclusion as he, as he travelled, as he tried new age and meditation, he came to the conclusion that he was God uh, as a result of this trip. But everything changed for him one day. He was at Centrelink standing in a queue and he said, if I'm God, why am I standing in a queue? And he came to the point where he realised that Jesus is the only one that we need to recognise. And you're aware in Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul visits my relatives um, uh, in Athens, Paul the Apostle sees this inscription to an idol, to an unknown God, to an unknown God, and Paul says quite profoundly, what you consider to be unknown, God is actually saying to you that this inscription to an unknown God, this is a God you actually can know. This is a God you can put your faith in. And you know what he goes on to finish in concluding by saying? That he is not far from each of us. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, in this time of COVID, let's tell people about this good news of Jesus, about how he has brought these languages together so that people can hear about Jesus. And we need to be people that share this great gospel message to others as well. Let me um, pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for this great passage of scripture where we see these people seeking to actually want to actually get to you by human means. And we realise that you are the only one who's actually able to bring us in relationship with you. Uh, thanks for actually reaching down to us and giving us your son. Uh, help us to be people that really do seek um, to look to you 
and encourage others to be able to see and recognize that you are the only one that can bring salvation to us all. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.